Amanda's mom was diagnosed with colon cancer at the age of 42 and died three years later when Amanda was 15. Amanda was her mom's shadow and they had a unique and special bond. Amanda is now a mom herself and even after 18 years, she still feels a hole in her heart from missing her mom. As always, if you are enjoying the podcast, I'd really appreciate a rating and review. Thanks so much. And now, Amanda's story. Hi, this is Beth, and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Uh, Today, I have with me Amanda. And as it goes, I am going to turn the mic over to Amanda, let her introduce herself and tell us her story. And then uh, I will come back with some questions at the end. So welcome, Amanda. Thank you for being here. Hi, Beth. Thank you so much for having me and allowing me to share my story, but more importantly, my mother's. And I was thinking about this and why I wanted to share my story is um, one of my mom's biggest fears was that she would be forgotten. And so this is my way of helping myself, but also honoring her and honoring that wish and that fear. Um, because she was a huge part of my life, even if she wasn't in my life for very long. And she deserves that respect and that memory. So um, I'm the eldest of three. Um, There's five years between me and my brother. And then there's seven years between me and my sister. And our mother was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer in 2002. I was 12. My sister was six maybe seven um and then my brother was about eight and she fought long and hard for three years before she passed in 2005 so I was 15 my brother was five or 10 and um my sister was just about to turn eight it was right before her birthday um but my story goes before that so because there is an age difference between me and my brother, um, I was my mother's shadow. I wasn't in her shadow, and I want to make that very clear. I literally was her shadow. Um, one of the earliest memories I have is well, she was my friend. She was my best friend. I was a single kid, you know, for a while, and I had cousins and I had family and who I'm still very, very close with. I come from a large family. Um, but it was me, mom, and dad, but more importantly, me and mom. Um, she was my best friend. I told her everything. She told me everything. And one of my earliest memories is I was at daycare and every day for recess, she worked adjacent to my school at her school as the bookkeeper. But every day for recess, she would come and visit me at the gate. And so I never played with other kids because who needs kids when your best friend is coming to visit you every day for recess? Um, and so that was how I spent, you know, my days was at daycare, but more importantly with mom. And then one day she didn't show up and I guess she didn't really think anything of it. And I was a very quiet kid. I still kind of am until you get to know me. Um, I don't really open up. Um, but one day she didn't show up at recess. And so I spend the entirety of that day bawling at the gate, at the fence, waiting for mom, waiting for my friend, 
nobody noticed I was missing for hours until my mom came to pick me up and they can't find me and I'm at the gate. And that's when I could just, I remember seeing that realization on my mom's face. Like I didn't realize how important this was to her. Um, and that was the kind of the beginning of when I started to break away from being my mom's shadow. It was a long process. It took many, many years, but that was kind of the crack, I should say. Um, and ironically, the reason she wasn't at that day at the gate um, was she was pregnant with my brother. And so that kind of helped is instead of seeing myself as mom's shadow, um, she's now, you know, giving me the gift of a sibling. And my brother and I are still very close. Um, my sister and I are even closer, even though we have a seven year age gap. Um, I'm very, very, very blessed for everything we've been through that I was born into the family that I was born in. Um, my dad's fantastic, absolutely wonderful, best man on earth. And my siblings are as well. Um, but that day that she wasn't there and she realized like, oh, this is maybe a little too secure of an attachment. <laughs> I kind of need to let Amanda be Amanda and not Minnie Helen, which is my mother's name. Um, and so that was kind of the start of it. Um, you know, growing up again, I had a very loving, close family. We did everything together. My weekends were spent with them. Um, I was in activities, you know, piano, dance, volleyball, those things. But, you know, for the most part, it was it was family. I kind of had an idyllic childhood. I mean, there were there were tough times. You know, we didn't have a lot of money. I grew up very, very, you know, middle income. Um, but family was important. My dad and my mom both made it clear that we eat dinner together as a family every day you know, where you make a mess, you clean it up, like we're in this together, we're a team. And for that, I'm truly grateful. And I can never express my gratitude for what my parents instilled in me together. Um, so again, I was very blessed. And then at about um, middle school, you know, that's kind of hard for any teenager, preteen as it is, trying to find your own independence. But again, I was my mom's shadow. So I didn't go to the middle school in my district. I went into the middle school that was closest to the school my mom worked at. Um, she was a bookkeeper for the high school, but at this time she was actually going to school to become a teacher. So her days were busy between shuttling me and all my activities and my siblings to their classes and her going to class and her teaching and then also working full-time. It was a busy time. Um, in our lives. And I was, you know, kind of trying to figure out who is, who is Amanda. Um, but I was still obviously very close with my mom, because I did again, work or go to the school adjacent to the school that she worked at. And early 2002, she had started kind of complaining about issues, um, gas, bloating, a feeling of fullness, but she was always trying to diet, not that she was extremely overweight, but she was a very, um, you know, always wanting to be the better version of herself. That's why she wanted to go to school. And she was a very proud woman, life of the party. Everybody loved her. Um, so she was just wanting to be her best self. So she was always dieting, trying these new, crazy, God awful things. Um, and so we just kind of brushed it off these symptoms like, oh, it's because you're taking such and such pill. Oh, it's because, you know, you've now eliminated, eliminated this from your diet. 
so on and so forth. And I didn't really pay attention to it. I was trying to find myself in this new school um, that was outside of my district. So it wasn't the same kids that I really went to school with and, um, you know, trying to find my place to fit in. So, and I was 12. So, you know, I heard her, but I didn't hear her. Um, And this is something I still really deal with to this day. And my, my dad especially does too, is we weren't listening. Um, So for months on end, she was just having these complaints and it got to the point where she came up to me and she's like, you know, Amanda feel, feel my stomach. Like I have, there's a firmness there. There's, there's something there. Um, and I was like, oh, maybe it's a baby. Like you're going to give me another sibling. And she's like, no, 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 no. Like I'm, I'm 42, not happening. Like that ship has sailed. You got your brother and your sister, you know? Um, and I think that's really what it was, was it was the a palpable firmness that you can feel in her abdomen. And I want to say it was either right after Thanksgiving, right before um, it was around the holiday time that my dad and mom took it seriously enough. Like, okay, we got to go to the doctor. These over-the-counter medications aren't working. Your complaints are getting more severe, more prolonged. She, again, she was complaining of being tired, but she was busy. She was teaching going to school, you know, mom of three kids. Um, so who isn't tired, you know, but it was, it was more tired and the complaints weren't getting better. They were getting worse. And so the doctors agreed to do an exploratory surgery and what should have been about an hour, hour and a half appointment, whole families there, all her siblings, her aunts, grandma. Um, I don't think my brother and sister were there. They were probably with a, an aunt, but the rest of us we're a very close Hispanic family. Um, we're in the hospital an hour away from where we lived. And this appointment got to be four plus hours long. And the heaviness started to set in. I mean, even me at 12 was, okay, something's not right. And the doctors came back and they said, you know, it's, um, it's stage four colon cancer at 42. We have no family history of cancer. Wasn't even on our radar. Um, they ended up removing her uterus, part of her colon, part of her liver, I think something else. And at the time, all I could really think about is, oh gosh, like this, we should have taken this seriously. Um, and I, could, I, now that I'm a mom, I can't imagine how my mom felt. You go in for surgery, which should have been just, you know, exploratory. Let's see what it is and come out with a diagnosis like that. I think even one of my relatives was like, well, how many stages are there? You know, we've never really dealt with cancer before. And they're like, well, there's, there's four. Um, so that obviously changed the trajectory of um, my life, but also my, my family's. And so um after that, it was just a lot of appointments, a lot of doctor's appointments, my, a lot of meeting with, you know, setting up wills and, you know, planning for the future trying to figure out how to explain to my brother and sister who are very young, you know, like, okay, mommy's, mommy's really sick. Um, we're going to try and still keep you guys in activities and as busy as possible, but you know, mommy's, mommy's really sick. And, um, so because I was my mom's shadow still, I was getting better at becoming my own person, but I was there through almost everything. 
Um, and when I wasn't, I was taking care of my brother and my sister. So her doctors were an hour away in a bigger city. Um, I'm from a smaller city, so they had care, but it wasn't as good as the big city. And so a lot of times I would be, you know, kind of left to watch the kids while my, um, that's how I refer to them, even though they're my siblings, they're not my kids, but that I was left to watch the kids um, while my parents would go to these doctor's appointments and everything. If I wasn't allowed to tag along too, because I, I wanted to, I wanted to be there. I wanted to know. Um, and it got to the, she was the, she was the person that tried everything. She was very strong. Um, if it was something that even had a glimmer of hope, she would do it. She did acupuncture, Reiki, all the clinical test trials, all the drugs, hyperbaric chamber oxygen things, and literally anything that you could throw at her, she was she was gung ho. Unfortunately, she was also the person that it's oh, it's just a one percent side effect of such and such happening. She was the one percent. That was her. So um, everything, everything, you know, kind of hit her. Um, I was there brushing her hair when it started falling out in clumps. Um, and she had the most gorgeous, thick, dark, black, curly hair. Um, and that was really hard. And the side effects to her skin and um, just mood and everything. Like I said, if it was a 1% side effect, that was, that was her. And she still stayed strong. She still stayed hopeful. Um, she called me her rock because I've always been optimistic. Um, and I didn't really understand the, the meaning of that at the time. It's like, well, of course I'm your rock. I'm your shadow. Like I'm, I'm here, I'm here for you. But that is a lot to kind of put on a 12, you know, 13 year old. Um, but I didn't care. She was my best friend. I was going to do anything for her. Um, we went to every single rosary, novena. I mean, I'm, I grew up Catholic, so anything spiritual, religious, like she was there. Um, her and my dad even flew to France in the brief time that she was in remission to Lourdes, which is where the Blessed Mother appeared. And there's this sacred holy fountain of water. And she bathed in it, you know, in the hopes that it would cleanse her. I mean, we did everything everything for three years and it finally got to the point where we just my parents couldn't keep traveling to and from our smaller city to the big city for care so in 2004 we moved to the big city to be closer to her doctors um, because they couldn't keep leaving me with the kids you know an hour away um, I probably shouldn't say that, but you know, at the time it was, it was the early two thousands. I was just kind of what you did. Like I was very, I grew up fast. <laughs> I was much more mature than probably most 12 or 13 year olds. Um, and so we moved to the big city. I started high school about two weeks into this, the new year, again, big, big school, don't know anybody trying to figure out myself, but at the same time, like I got to be home to take care of my mom. Um, at this time, she had, she was still fighting her fight, but you could tell it had taken its toll. Uh, remission didn't last long. Um, and my mom and I always had this special bond. The reason there's a 
this is a segue, but the reason I, my mom and or my brother and I are five years apart is my mom had three miscarriages between the two of us. And as a child, I always knew when she was or wasn't pregnant. And so she actually got kind of scared of me because she never knew what was going to come out of my mouth. Um, there was a couple of times where I'd come up to her and be like, oh, there's a baby in there. She's like, no, what do you, no, there's not. And then sure enough, she was. And then there'd be other times where she's like, hey, like there's a baby, like give it kisses. And I'm like, no, there's not. And she wasn't. So it kind of freaked her out, but that's just how close we were. And so um, going back to the story of when they flew to Lourdes and my mom bathed in the water, she had this rosary that she had kept in her purse and it was disgusting. It was full of gum, dirt. It was old, it was super old rosary, but she brought it into the water with her. And when she came out, it was clean. It, she, was, she didn't scrub it. She didn't bathe it. Uh, she just had it in her hand and it came out and it was pristine. And so when she came back to France, she showed it to me and she's like, oh my gosh, Amanda, like, look at this rosary. Like this, is this me? Like, am I, am I cleansed? You know, this is what I wanted. Um, and I, I, this kills me to the day. Um, I'm looking at the rosary and I see a speck of gum that's still stuck behind. I didn't know to keep my mouth shut. And I look and I tell her, I'm like, oh, but I still, I still see something there. And she was in anguish after that. And again, I was really young, I was 13, but I feel like I just crushed her spirit. But I also just knew her. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. Like, I just knew her and I hate that I was right. I really, really hate that I was right because it did come back and it never went away again after that. And so now we're in this new city, this new house, you know, again, trying everything, but she's tried, she's tried it all. And so she's starting to wear her down. Um, and it got to the point where she was calling herself Frankenstein she had tubes everywhere. She couldn't eat. It was not, I want to wish colon cancer on anybody. Um, it was my mom, but it wasn't my, my mom anymore. My mom was vibrant. My mom was beautiful. If you knew her, you loved her immediately. She could make anybody laugh. She could make anybody's day better. She was fantastic. Um, and this wasn't my mom anymore. Uh, it was the cancer version of my mom. And so I would help give her her chemo at home. I was her little nurse along with my siblings and my dad. My dad is angel on earth, the most wonderful man in the whole world. And my, my mom's family was very helpful too. Um, and they still wanted her to fight, you know, when they would come and help feed meals, help with the kids, but ultimately they would go home. But this was our home. This is my dad's home. This is my mom's home. This was my home. This was what we saw every day. So when she, her fight started getting less, we were supportive of that. And her family took it a little hard, which is understandable. But when they went home, it, they could carry on with their lives. And, um, but we couldn't, because this was our life. And so when she started to say, I'm, I'm done, it probably shocked her family that my dad and I were in support of that um, because it had taken everything out of her. Um, 
she couldn't, like I said, she couldn't eat. She would eat for fun, but because the cancer was back, it had blocked her colon. So she had a bucket that we had to empty out her gastrointestinal intestinal issues um, multiple times a day. And she was tied up to cords. And um, like I said, she just called herself Frankenstein. And to have this very proud, beautiful, vibrant woman think of herself like that was just heartbreaking. Um, but she was, you know, she, she tried her best to hang on to the next kid's birthday. Um, her and my dad were able to renew their wedding vows on September 3rd, 17 years. Um, and then she um, passed on September 10th, 2005. So very quickly after. And my sister's birthday is September 28th. So um, September is kind of a rough month for <laughs> the my my family anyways uh, my daughter is actually born September 18th so it's just it's a it's a busy month full of joys and blessings but also um sorrow and so true to being my mother's shadow after she passed I was also not tasked with in charge I don't have a, you know any money but um my mom had told me everything. This is what I want to wear for my funeral. This is what I want to be buried with in terms of jewelry and shoes. And this is how I want my makeup to look and my hair. And these are the songs I want to play. And I know she didn't burden my dad because my dad was being burdened with the fact that now he's a single father of three very young kids in a new city that he didn't grow up in. So most of our family was still back in the town. We had, we had also some in the bigger city, but Mostly everybody was still back in um, the smaller city where we were from. So I know she didn't burden that with my dad. And so she told me. And again, I didn't mind. This is, this is the role I've played, you know, kind of my whole life, um, especially for the past three years. And so when she passed, everybody kind of looked at me and was like, okay, Amanda, like, let's, let's go time. And so that was my last role of being my mom's shadow was giving her the funeral that she desired. Um, she wanted balloons released at the burial site, the song that she wanted to play. Um, on her headstone, she hadn't talked about it, but when we went to go pick it out and design it, I knew exactly what it should have said. Um, the figure that should have been, that appeared on it and the heading is to know her was to love her because that was my mom. If you knew her, you loved her. Um, and so that was where I stopped being her shadow officially was after that final role. Um, and so that, you know, the next couple of years were really hard, mainly for my dad. Um, his work was very generous and he was able to not work while he was taking care of her and they allowed him to come back. Um, it was a lower standing position, but he was able to keep his retirement and his pension and everything. So that was I will be forever grateful to UPS <laughs> because he was a UPS driver and they treated him fantastically. Um, so he went back part-time and had to take on a few other odd jobs just to kind of like catch up because we'd been living off of basically just insurance for the, you know, the past couple of years because he wasn't working and my mom definitely wasn't working. And uh, I had actually taken driver's ed early. Um, so I had been driving since I was 14. My uh kind of necessity of the beast. Um, I had to shuttle my brother and sister around. And so I, I stayed doing that um, until they could, you know, 
learn on their own to drive and everything. And I, I never minded it. I'm not resentful. Um, like I said, we're closer than ever. I speak to them all every day. Um, we're still really close to my mom's family. So for that, I am grateful. But what I really struggled with was not being my mom's shadow. And when she was sick, she wrote us all, all three of us kids, notebooks. And the theme in mine was, you need to be your own person. You need to be independent. I can't fight your battles for you because I was shy. I didn't really stand up for myself. I didn't have a voice um, until you really knew me. But in most social situations, like my mom was the, the speaker for me. Um, and again, I, I didn't mind. That's just how, that's just my nature. And so that's something that I've really struggled with is finding my voice and um, speaking for myself, standing up for myself, having opinions. Like I, I'm go with the flow. I don't really make decisions, but um, I'm still learning. I'm getting better now that I'm 33. It's taken a very long time. Um, but at the same time, like I, I also don't really care to make big decisions because I know life is more than where am I going to eat, you know, or what am I going to do? Um, when you're hit with the reality of life or death at a young age and some things just don't matter anymore. So I don't, I don't care about a lot of, you know, trivial things. Um, I just want to be happy and healthy and provide for my family. I have now two beautiful kids, the most amazing man. Um, and so I'm still, I'm still trying to find myself, my identity. Um, I miss her terribly. She was my best friend. I think about her all the time. I may not, I may look strong and I am in the, in the fact that at least I had those years to prepare for her loss. You know, she wasn't gone or taken away from me abruptly. We said our goodbyes, we made our peace. Um, and like I said, that wasn't my mom towards the end. That was the cancer version of my mom. And so while I do miss her, I'm very thankful that I had the time to, to prepare, um, to say my goodbyes, to tell her how much I love her, to tell her how much I meant to her, how much she meant to me. Um, and so I, 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 I've never felt like I didn't have closure. I did. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, my brother and sister on the other end, they still struggle in their own ways. Um, they've mentioned to me that they're not even sure if the memories they have of mom are their own memories or if they're just stories they've heard so many times that they've adopted them as their memories. I can't answer that for them. I wish I could um, because the mom I knew was different than the mom that, that they knew. They knew sick mom. Um, and so I don't know they, if they have the closure that I, I do. Um, so I, I miss her a lot. I'm not terribly, I mean, I'm sad about it. I am, I do grieve in my own way, but I'm at, I'm at peace with that um, because I did have her goodbyes and it, and I know that wasn't her. Um, what also really helps is, and I believe in, you know, signs and um, dreams and stuff. And so shortly after she passed, she did visit me in a dream and I truly believe it was her visiting me and she had her hair back and it was long and flowing and luscious and the biggest smile on her face. And she told me, I'm happy now. I feel like that was enough um, because she wasn't happy towards the end. She was vibrant and full of life and everybody's friend. And 
yeah, I, like I said, I wouldn't wish colon cancer on any anybody, because um, that wasn't that wasn't her. So I'm I'm at peace with that. I have closure. I don't need to dream of her again. Um, it'd be nice, but I don't I don't need to. Um, and she comes to me in science in other ways. Uh, as a child, she would sing to me "Happy Together" by the Turtles, pretty much every day, and so that became our song. Um, and now it just seems that anytime I have a bad day or I'm sad or I'm thinking about her, I hear it. And it's not a very common song. It's very old, <laughs> but I'll hear it on the radio. I'll hear it at the grocery store. Um, someone will refer to it like on a, on a show or a commercial or something. And it's like, okay, I see, I see you. I see you mom. Um, and I sing that song to my daughter now, and she actually requests it before bed almost every night. And, um, that's, you know, my way of kind of passing on to her, um, the memory of my mom, um, a pleasant one. My daughter is named after her, her middle name anyways. My daughter's middle name is Helen in honor of my mom. Um, and yeah, I, I never really, I'm still struggling to find myself, but I'm happy with where I am extremely happy again very blessed very grateful to have had the support that I have hearing some of the other women um, and men on your stories I they I wish for them closure that I have um because I I'm lucky that it came to me um does it make it easier especially you know raising my own family not having my mom to be the one to call and like, hey, what were your pregnancies like? How was your labor? How was your delivery? Like, how did you handle breastfeeding? Like that threw me for a loop. And my dad did the best he could, but he's, I mean, it's not the same. Um, but my dad has really just been a rock star. I can't stress that enough. And so he's done extremely well with what he can. I mean, I have aunts that I can call and my grandmother and I do, and I'll ask them, but it's not the same. I mean, it's their memory of my mom's, you know, so motherhood has been hard in some aspects with not having that frame of reference and not being like, oh, I just wish I could call, you know, my mom and she would know exactly what to do, exactly what to say. Um, but then I just remind myself like it, it wasn't her. She was sick. She was very sick. She was very unhappy. And so again, that kind of brings me the, the closure um, that I wish other people eventually find. Um, it's hard. It's very hard. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful for, for that. I recently had a kind of aha moment like that with, with my sister. Um, it was weird that we spent a lot of time in the hospital and stuff, and I would feel like... Um, we, we made some great memories in the hospital and there was oh, a memory came up. That's what it was on my Snapchat of she and I sitting, um, waiting for her chemo appointment. And I thought what I wouldn't give for one more chemo appointment. And then I thought, wow, that's pretty selfish because she was so sick. She was so sick. Um, and so I would give, you know, I would obviously love to have more time with my sister, but not in that way, like you mm -hmm. said. Yeah. Yeah. That's really difficult. Um, so the thing that I find interesting, um, first of all, you said that your last role of being your mom's shadow was giving her the funeral that she wanted, which is 
totally amazing, but I, I kind of see you doing this as one final also role of being in your mom's shadow because you started out by saying this is this she didn't want to be forgotten yeah and so here you are still honoring her and you know doing something to make sure that her wishes were met um yeah I think that's that's pretty interesting oh thank you uh, yeah mm-hmm. um oh and the part where you shared about the speck of gum like I, I don't, I, I think this will come with time. And now that you're a mom, like, you know, your children are too young yet, but when, when one of your children reaches the age of 13, like you will understand the, the grace that your mom would have had towards you for that. Cause first of all, you were only 13. Second of all, there was a speck of gum there, you know, and you just blurted it out because and and I, I'm assuming when you were 13, were you understanding this energetic connection that you had with your mom of being able to touch her belly about like pregnancies and stuff? Like, did you, I don't, you probably couldn't I, comprehend <laughs> it, you know? Um, I kind of did because she would, she had told me those stories before and she, she had told me, she's just like, you and I just, it's you and me. That's the, that's why it was our happy together song. It's like, it was, it was you and me. And, um. I guess I didn't realize how profound that connection was until later, but I had been aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think at 13 that you understand the magnitude of, you know, like you said that you blurted, that you wish you hadn't said it. And you obviously, oh, yeah, wish- no, I, that didn't cross my mind, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. So I always hate, like we look back, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I mean, not only in death, but in, you know, so many things that we do in our lives, but um, I wish we, and I think it comes with age and time for some people just to, to give yourself grace for handling things that happened at the time with what you knew then. But I think as we get older and our perspective changes and our, our, you know, our worldview becomes wider and we understand more things, we look back and go, oh, but we hold ourselves accountable to standards that we didn't have as a 13 year old Mm. do you know what I mean yeah yeah I understand that yeah yeah and I think when your kids start to reach that age be like oh yeah oh yeah 13 is young I mean (laughs) you you weren't young because you were you were mature because you were thrown into a situation that required you to do adult things immediately um but you still were only 13 years old Yeah. yeah yeah that's true yeah that's young. That's very young. Um, and then you're right. It's interesting about your brother and your sister, because I'm looking at the, the statistics that you gave. So your mom's diagnosis came when your sister was like four and your brother was six. So yeah, their healthy years with your mom um, were definitely limited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and we have home videos. Thankful my dad was there. Um, and we have you know, pictures, but sometimes those are hard to watch and hard to look at. And so um, they, I, they're not as frequently visited the home videos and not as frequently visited family photos as the happier years. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I do feel that my brother and sister got short changed um, with that, with my mom's time for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I love that all of yours, you and your siblings and your dad, like, I mean, you can't, you couldn't possibly praise them anymore. And 
people can't, I can see you because we are on zoom, but people listening can't see, you know, how your face lights up when you talk about them. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I love that you guys have that for each other. I think that that's great. Thank you. I guess I just, they're great. (laughs) They're great. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, things like this either make or break relationships. So I'm, uh, you know, glad that you guys have each other. Um, this dream thing, I think, I think maybe I need to do a podcast about dreams. Like I've, I've never experienced that, but a lot of people have. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I believe in it. I mean, I do think a lot of it is timing too. So maybe because I found my peace so early that that's why it came about so quickly after she passed. And I, I haven't had it since, I mean, she's been gone for 18 years now, um, or it'll be 18 years in September. So maybe if I had grieved a little longer, the dream would be more recent. Um, or maybe I'd get them more more regularly. But you know, I think maybe it is just I was ready. To, I was ready to receive it at that time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really cool. Um, yeah, and the book that she wrote for you guys, like, I just think that that's, I think that's so intuitive, which you said she obviously was, and that, that you know, that the two of you had that connection, um, but that she told you that she uh, wanted you to, I'm trying to find it, she wanted you to be, to find out who you are, mm-hmm. book for mom, you need to be your own person, there it is, yeah. you need to be your own person, yeah, Aww. yeah. Yeah. Does she give you any specific advice behind that or? Um, she basically said, I'm, I'm not going to be here forever. So you, you can't rely on me for that. And those are hard words to read. I still don't open the book very regularly. I have it. Um, but I mean, she was right. She wasn't going to be here forever. And I did rely on her for everything, every decision, every, everything. Um, and so, yeah, it was hard to read, but whenever I'm struggling with something, I think back, I'm like, well, mom did tell me I have, this is going to happen. Like I gotta, I just gotta be my own person, um, and own my, own my life. <laughs> I can't rely on her anymore. So, mm-hmm. um, but the, the other side of that though, I, I hope this is okay for me to say, but she also relied on you a lot also. Like you said, yes. you know, asking you saying that you were her rock as a 13 year old, you know, that's, that's a lot of responsibility to put on a 13 year old. Yes. Um, so seems like it was a mutually, uh, you know, that you both were participating in that kind of relationship yeah. from both sides. It wasn't just you being a 13 year old mom, you know, shadow of your mom. seems like she relied on you a lot as well. Yeah. And she mm-hmm. did. And I'm sure there's psychologists will probably say something about that. Like, oh, that's enmeshment or whatever. I'm sure there's some negative connotation, but I mean, you know, I don't have any regrets. I grew up fine, happy. Um, I'm secure in my own relationships, but I could, there probably was some, (laughs) there's probably not some good parts of that her relying on a 13 year old. But I, yeah. I, like I said, I think it had to be, she, my dad was already just so overwhelmed, so overburdened um, that I was the natural person to turn to, you know? Yeah. 
Well, and, and uh, I welcomed uh, it. I never told her no. I, I was I, right. I, <laughs> that's what I'm. Yeah, and I, I'm. I don't. I didn't mean it in a negative way. Like I'm saying, it seemed like it was. You were both mutually participating in it as you wanted to. You know, it yeah. wasn't like you know you you handled everything. It seems very very well. Um, but you know, 13 years old is is young. But that's those are the cards that you were dealt and the situation that you were in. And you relied on your mom and she relied on you, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, well, like I always say, I hate that you're a part of the club, but I appreciate your sharing your story with us today. And I usually finish the podcast with if there's a final thought or something you want to share with the listeners before we say goodbye. I like I, I mentioned earlier, I do wish that the other members of this club do find closure and, and peace, however is necessary for them. Um, because it's hard, life's hard as it is, and it's even harder going through it without your mom. Um, so I hope they find support wherever they need it and closure. And if they believe in signs, look for them, they're out there. You know, you just gotta be willing to receive them. Um, Cause I don't think they ever really leave us. I don't, there's been some times where I've done some dumb things. I mean, who hasn't? And I'm like, Oh, mom was pulling some strings up there because that was a, that was a close one. Mom definitely made friends with the guardian angels because <laughs> I've gotten out of some scrapes that I probably shouldn't have. So I, I do think our mothers are watching over us and they're doing what they can to continue to guide us, even if they can't physically be here to give us any, you know, words of advice or word of wisdom. I do think they're up there and they're, um, they're guiding us and they're, they're watching over us. So I do hope I wish closure and peace to the other people. Hmm. Well, that's beautiful, beautiful way to end your story. So thank you, Amanda, for being here. Thank you so much. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.